Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, anyone and everyone in B2C businesses are trying to build an engaging and super sticky digital user platform of some sort. We all know how tough that is. It's usually left for the fast and hungry startup sector to create the breakthrough stuff. But as a chart sent to me yesterday from a former Silicon Valley growth hacker and occasional MI3 podcast guest, John James, shows shutdowns are rising quickly among Series A funded startups. The number of closures for early stage innovation companies is up 107% in the past two years. The big hits in innovation typically pass legacy companies by. Too much to protect and too slow are the usual blockers. But arguably, one of the best standout case studies for a challenged legacy business that had to risk eating itself to reinvent with a new platform and build a new brand from scratch is the radio broadcaster Southern Cross Stereo. It has pulled off an ambitious, risky, but so far powering all new digital consumer audio platforms that's just passed through 1.5 million signed up users to Listener, which it built internally from scratch under a veil of secrecy and launched in the middle of COVID. Whatever you might think of radio, this is a business case to properly get your head around. Media is ferociously competitive and the earliest of disrupted industries. So if you can stay alive in this sector, you'll do okay anywhere. Perhaps unlike TV broadcasters, which are moving fast now to build out digital streaming services to keep pace with consumers and new digital rivals, SCA read the leaves early in audio, notwithstanding Spotify, of course, which is a darling among the younger set, but still lacks the local content punch that pulls in and shapes the tastes and conversations of the masses. Still, the owner of the Triple M and Hit Networks and dozens of regional stations had to find a way to anticipate and meet increasing consumption of audio via digital channels. It required a complete suspension of traditional thinking, product and processes, and demanded a lightning-fast learning curve on technology rollouts and systems to make it happen, for everyone actually, from content teams to sales, IT, finance and marketing. Then if it got the platform's functionality and user experience right in a prototype, SEA had to launch a new brand and a new platform which upended typical audio behaviour, and it still had to land with the people. So far it's working, and on the mics today is SEA's Chief Marketing Officer Nikki Clarkson, part of the core team from the get-go that developed Listener. Clarkson tells a great tale of rapid reinvention of business smarts and capabilities. Her marketing team, for instance, have gone from traditional marketing communications operatives to understanding and mapping user journey flows, understanding UX and UI, and increasingly feeding off Listener user analytics to shape what they do next. SEA has spent 18 months onboarding Salesforce Clouds, customer data platforms, and the rest. The trials, tribulations, and success for this legacy media company project is instructive for most trying to do a reinvention job. So welcome, Nikki Clarkson. It's a long setup. SCA could see big challenges coming. I'm really interested in what the problem was you were, were solving for before you actually knew Listener was going to be the solution. How urgent was that task? And welcome, Nikki. We've been talking about this for years. <laughs> Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready for this. Good. And thanks for having me. I guess, um, as you say, to jump straight into it, we could see the advent and the increase of digital audio consumption increasing quickly. So our listener project had been in research and development for over five years, and the consumption of digital audio streaming was going absolutely gangbusters. 
it was an existing category, it was a large category, and it was increasing rapidly. How long ago did that start? When did this come on the radar for something you needed to build or you saw the behaviour changing? About five years ago. So 2018, okay. And then so 2018, thereabouts. Urgent enough, Nikki, or did you think that this was just getting ahead of the curve before you needed to do something? What was the sort of the sentiment uh, internally? As I said, we could see the consumption of digital audio streaming coming on board very, very quickly. So we knew that in order for our business to be future-proofed, that we needed to have a, a relevant and robust digital audio solution for this company moving forward. So the consumption of digital audio wasn't insignificant. Five years ago, or in 2019, it was 8.8 million people were consuming digital audio either daily, weekly, or monthly. So it was a, it was a robust category already. Just to be clear on the category, you're talking there from everything from podcasts to, at the time, streaming, you know, some of your stations, whether it be, you know, Triple M hit. That was all, it was all, all over the place though, right? It was consumption, but it was sort of quite fractured. Yeah. So we had the hit and Triple M apps and we had done a deal with Podcast One from the US to start our foray into podcasting. So at SEA, we recognised really quickly that there was um, a consumer behaviour towards the consumption of digital audio. So that's anything online, smart speaker or mobile phone. So, right. And that's everything from podcasting, radio streaming and music streaming. So, so if we look at Listener now, we see it's an, an aggregation of a whole bunch of stuff. Did you have the thinking uh, when you first started that this needed to bundle everything back together or where did you start with whom? Who was the team that sort of came together? Yeah, exactly. So we started with a cross-functional team led by the leadership team. So across sales, content, marketing, product, technology, and 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 research. And so the first thing we did was to uncover the size of the audience and the behaviours of that digital audio that digital audio audience. And we went to CMV Nielsen to try and understand how big that audience was and what sort of growth potential it, it had over the next few years. And when we first coined, for want of a better word, that digital audio category, we called it Aussie Streamers, and we uncovered that there were 8.8 million Aussie Streamers, and they were consuming digital audio across that portfolio of podcast, radio streaming, and music streaming. They were consuming audio either daily, weekly, or monthly. Just to be clear, Nikki, that's audio streamers, wasn't it? It wasn't video streamers. Aussie audio streamers. Yeah, got it. So... We knew that we had a category of size. We knew that we could build an ecosystem off that category and we knew that that category was growing. Then came COVID where digital audio consumption started to accelerate and we were seeing that that Aussie streamer cohort through CMV Nielsen growing exponentially year on year. So we started at 8.8 million in 2018 to 2019 and our latest survey that came through in June shows that that category is now at 11.6 million. So that's about a 32% increase Mm. during that time. And the biggest increase in that consumption cohort is in the daily consumption of digital audio, which was absolutely fantastic. So that consumption was also about 35 to 40% throughout that duration. So not only are we building scale, but we're starting to build the consumption of daily audio as a habit. So people aren't just dabbling into digital Mm. audio, they're starting to use it within their daily lives. You know, we could see that growth happening early on. We could see that 
Digital audio streaming was one of the fastest growing platforms across the audio category. And we knew that we needed to do something, you know, pretty quickly within our within our short-term future in order to provide a solution that would live up to our purpose. And our purpose for the listener project was to build a a digital audio destination for all Australians. So armed with all that data, that's when you started to sort of workshop what this product would be. And it really was a blank slate, wasn't it? It was a clean canvas, if you like. So where did you start and like what happened? Talk us through the early bits. Well, we had a, we developed um, this cross-functional group, as I said, across all cohorts in the business. And that was a mindset from the get-go. And I firmly believe that's what has set us up for success. And we started to test and learn across a few other iterations of what a digital audio ecosystem could look like. And we learned along the way. And we learned that if we could build something that was broad, it would have the biggest opportunity to prop up an ad-funded audio solution and um, onwards and upwards. And so there wasn't, the interesting thing here though, was that there wasn't a lot even internationally for SCA to borrow from, was there? I think I recall some of your colleagues talking about doing some research trips and really finding nothing else out there that you needed, that you thought would fit the bill. So this was literally a start from scratch and you went in-house to build and design it. That was a big call because you hear so often that that thing taking inside can actually have the opposite effect, i.e. it doesn't Mm. work. Why did you go in-house? Well, the last thing I want to do is talk on behalf of our Chief Technology Officer, Stephen Haddad, but I do know, having worked with him over the last four or five years on this this project, that we absolutely were committed to being in control of our destiny. We're committed to building something that will enable us to go to market quickly and also something that ultimately we could build that would provide the ultimate audience, audience experience. Just talk through, you mentioned earlier about um, some iterations. What were some of the early prototypes that you came up with that weren't right or needed to be developed onwards and, and what happened there? What did you see? What were some of those early learnings? Because this is part of the, the mm. big exercise, even for little MI3, you sort of find, okay, we're going to do that. and then, No, no, we're not going to do that. It's a fascinating journey, isn't it? And, and it sometimes <laughs> laden with pain. <laughs> <laughs> it is a constant journey of really testing and, and learning and leaning into the project at the time to understand what's working and what's not working and Mm. to try and foresee what the best solution would be for the business long term. And um, without going into too much detail about our prototypes, um, and there are a couple of those, I guess, the common element that both were narrow, we quickly realised that digital audio was for everyone. It had broad appeal, both from a behavioural point of view in terms of frequency of consumption but also across all demographics. And so I'm assuming narrow, I'm going to try this on anyway, Nikki, but I'm assuming by narrow you meant that perhaps that you had podcasts in one spot, you had radio stations in another, you wanted to bring it all together rather than something singular. That's me fishing, by the way. Um, I think we were focused on, as I said, we agreed on the purpose to build an audio destination for all Australians. So that's where we landed. We were concurrently running a business, and we had been for the last decade, that offered digital audio streaming and in-stream advertising with our hit and triple M apps. And we were, we were doing a really good job of those, and they were successful. And we'd partnered with Podcast One to house our, podca- our emerging podcast suite. So ultimately, 
throughout that testing and learning, that's where we landed on on building something as we refer to it as the house of listener that could be a one-stop shop for all our existing digital audio consumers and future audio consumers, digital audio consumers. And the other thing too I'm interested in is so often with some of these innovation plays, there is the, at least what looks like up front, a threat to the existing business when you build out a new one, Nikki. So you had broadcast, it was a big beast. How did you, uh, or how did the team, I guess, wrestle with, if we do that, is it going to uh, eat into our existing business? Uh, If we do this, something else might happen. Was there tension there at all? Well, I think back to my earlier point, we already had digital audio ecosystems for our Triple M brand and our hit brand. So we were already doing that Mm. and they were successful. What we were aiming to build as a a really diligent, disciplined, cross-functional team is, is build something for the future that could house all our amazing digital audio content. So that's when we started to migrate the users of the hit app, migrate the users of the Triple M app and Right. bring it into the house of listener along with the ever-expanding portfolio of our podcast. So, and as I said, those apps were already 10 years old. So it mm. wasn't, we, we had good credentials in building apps. It's just moving those singular brand-based app into an app. Beyond you know. designing what a digital audio sort of platform should be to an end user, Nikki, which is what we've sort of been talking about today, you also had, well, SEA had a massive parallel tech program, right? You had to mm. sort of deploy a whole bunch of new stuff to make Listener happen before you even knew that Listener was going to happen like it did. Um, mm. What were the big ones there in the, in, in the technology investment and upskilling, I guess, because nothing could happen without the tech, unfortunately, right? Well, as I said, we were, we were building our apps predominantly prior and then um, bringing the production of that app in-house, but also... Um, again, something that Stephen led was the deployment of the right MarTech stack for us. And again, pretty much like every other step along the way, a cross-functional team was gathered, marketing was represented, along with all the other functions in the business, to really review what the best tech stack was for um, SCA moving forward. And we made the decision to go ahead with Salesforce and we've been on that journey since we made that decision to integrate Salesforce within the business as a predominant MarTech stack to help us moving forward. So that was step one. Interesting. Did the brief feed the tech stack or did the tech stack feed what was possible in the brief? Because this is a, like it's a chicken and egg sometimes. We want to do that, but can we do it? Or what can we do? Well, we can do it with that tech. How did that work in, you know, when you were sort of moving along at pace and, and working this out? Well, again, it's, it was uncovering the needs of each area of the business and mm. then um, really leaning on our technology team as the experts in that area, along with that steerco around the implementation of that MarTech stack to make the best decision for the business moving forward. The um, team capabilities, uh, even yours really, mm. uh, you had a fairly traditional marketing team and, and the business probably wasn't um, wasn't seasoned, I guess, in, in MarTech stacks. You didn't need to, mm. didn't need to up until that point. Um, what was needed in the skill sets um, that maybe your team and some of the broader teams didn't have, uh, Nikki? What were the interesting ones there? Because it, it can be quite, uh, could be overwhelming. So broadly from a company point of view, we were committed to 
transforming our workforce to ensure that a very good proportion of the workforce had digital capabilities. So we were upskilling in every area of our company mm. and marketing was no exception to that rule. And we very quickly realised that we were no longer competing with just the Australian radio brands, but we're na- now taking on global powerhouses such as Spotify, Apple and iHeart. And we needed to start behaving like a technology brand and we need to start but changing that behaviour very, very quickly and, and marketing was no exception to the rule there. And um, as a team, we certainly leaned into that challenge and we embraced it. And as a consequence, we have transformed and grown the marketing function from what was, a, I would say, a traditional marketing function using predominantly above-the-line media to drive top-of-mind awareness and recall for our radio brands as opposed to what we now have become is a progressive data-led team of experts diligently mm. growing a um, or contributing to the growth of our digital audio and our known digital audio audience. So what sort of skill set specifically did, say, your team or even broader than that across SCA, but let's, if we could stick to yours first up, what mm. skill sets were, were needed to be pretty quickly um, ramped up? Obviously in the area of CX. And um, the first thing that we did was, or one of the first things that we did was employ a CX expert that was also very proficient in marketing, had worked in a lot of app-based businesses before, and knew how to use the tech stack that we were integrating into our business for marketing benefit. And that person came in and just helped us with common language along with a range of other things. So we had to quickly learn the language around CX so that we could effectively communicate with our tech team and we could start to get on the same playing field as Mm. them to understand their language. So we, we spent a lot of time doing that. We also understood very quickly that our media capabilities needed to um, increase, particularly around digital acquisition and performance-based media. So we put a tender out to market and partnered with Resolution Digital, so OMG's Resolution Digital. And we really, our only appointment internally was um, an app-based media specialist. So we employed somebody in our team who had worked with the Sweat app and had been significantly involved in the growth of that app. And that enabled us to get up to speed with resolution very, very quickly in that we had a skilled person who similarly understood the area of um, acquisition and digital attribution-based media and advertising. So with those parts plus the appetite across the existing marketing team to upskill themselves both formally and informally, we started to develop um, a marketing strategy and we very, very quickly started to see the direct correlation between the digital advertising and the app in-store behaviour on a weekly basis. So, you flesh that out. What do you mean by that? Your, your, what your digital marketing was driving app installs. I think there's a big number there. Attri- yeah? Attributable app installs. So right. roughly there's about 60% of our app installs are directly attributable to digital advertising. Right. And we very, very quickly, again, with the help of the technology team and the data experts in that team, developed a weekly dashboard that tracked our growth across installs and signups and various other key metrics. 
And one of those areas of that dashboard was the marketing dashboard where we could see the contribution that the digital advertising was directly contributing. And also too, we had a range of other ways to measure the saliency and the health of that brand from the get-go as well, that brand okay. being Listener. So just before we get back to a little bit of the timeline on, on how Listener came to market, just on that whole point, how does your team now think differently and operate differently after having that exposure to another world of, of technology, which hurts my brain just hearing you, by the way? Well, I think the first thing what we did was uh, rename CX for our business as AX. So we went from customer experience to audience experience. Right. Yep. And and we're coming together cross-functionally to define what AX means for SCA and listener. The big change in our team is that we're we're fiercely focused on audience first and we're focused on driving new audiences into the app. And now as the capabilities start to emerge with our MarTech stack, we're we're focused on retaining that audience as well. So that's a big shift from competing for share of voice, top of mind recall for radio brands and literally pivoting completely to the way in which we operate, as I said, on that basis of focusing on audience first and the need that audio plays in their lives. And it's interesting, right, because you've had to sort of reimagine how you operate as a marketing team to get people on uh, and download the app. But then that whole CX or AX, as you call it, that keeps them there. You've got to keep them once you get them in, right? So there's a whole new world different. It's, you know, when you talk about CX or AX, that's when that really kicks in because how's the user experience landing? How's your your communications and your interaction and your recommendations and all those other things? Is that your team as well? Or how's that? How does the, the group collectively sort of sort through that? So again, it just comes back to that discipline of cross-functional work groups. So the cross-functional work group around AX is marketing product, distribution, content, insights, just to name a few, to really make sure that our strategy is in line with the capabilities of our MarTech stack as that's becoming Mm -hmm. unlocked. So it's everything from, uh, you know, one-to-one personalization enabled by email marketing, push notifications, search, one-to-one social, all these amazing capabilities that we've now got in within the marketing Mm -hmm. toolbox thanks to the the transformation of the business. Yeah, fascinating. There'll be a few people that are much broader now than they were a couple of years ago, for sure. So listen, mm. let's get back to the development um, just quickly. You launched Listener in the peak of COVID, I think uh, February 2021. Was there any conversation, there must have been conversation, should we do this? This is crazy. What We don't even know what's going on. So in that backdrop of uncertainty, you did push on. Why? Because you're convinced you had something, clearly. We were convinced and we actually didn't second guess ourselves at all along that journey because we'd done the research and development, we could see the accelerating consumption of digital audio and we knew that we were building something that was was broad and could grow over time. So, of course, when you're launching something big like this, it feels brave and it feels courageous, but it was 100% in line with our digital audio strategy that was very clear. We had very clear KPIs that we were looking to reach around the growth of our digital audio platform. And we were all running in parallel. So whether it was product developing the platform, 
marketing, developing the marketing materials and everything to support the the launch of that and the growth of the app. Content were powering at 100 miles an hour to develop content as well. And we had confidence in each other. And then you launched. What happened? And then we launched. Um, yeah. Because there must have been some Oshite moments uh, because there always is. <laughs> what was yours? The, one of the aha moments was how quickly the digital marketing stack worked and right. delivered insights and, and results. So the great thing about this scenario is that we had a fantastic megaphone and the strategy was able to target 7 million Australians listening to our radio stations. So the ability to be able to promote an audio product to an audio audience was just a fantastic opportunity and we're able to do that efficiently. We're able to to grow awareness of listener, its depth of content, its ex- just its overall existence with audio fans. And mm. that got us running up and running really quickly and we've seen consistent growth week on week since then. So you mentioned earlier about the, the need to build out performance marketing capabilities um, and some of the, um, well, the fact that what, circa 60%, I think you said, of, of the sign-up or the downloads of apps came from marketing activity. How do you attribute that? How much was your own platforms important to building awareness and driving uh, behaviour to download versus the digital channels you talk about that they came through? Did they Were they aware of it? They'd built some, you know, so how does that mix work? This is the, the great performance, brand, long and short, everything thrown into one here, Nikki. You, you were sort of practice, having to practice or, or, or work out all of that. Mm. What did you see? Yeah, and, and all of that was happening at Pace. Mm-hmm. So we launched a multi-tiered marketing strategy using multiple media channels. And of course, as I said, we had that fantastic opportunity to use our own channels, radio and in our regional markets, television as well on top of that. And we employed a range of mass media to quickly accelerate listener from a saliency point of view, as I said, up against those digital stalwarts, which who were 10 years old, be it Apple, iHeart and Spotify, and we knew we needed to get ground really, really quickly. Mm. Um, So we did use a combination of mass media and and highly targeted digital media. And, you know, as you know, that digital media also plays a role in promoting the brand, promoting the depth of content, as well as that pure performance-based acquisition media um, from a Google suite and from search and range of other. Yeah, yeah, search and social. So it was the entire funnel and we could see that when everything was running at adequate levels, everything performed better. So with the advent of um, our continual promotion of listener throughout our radio stations, both from a brand point of view as well as from a content genre point of view, and then we supplemented that with similar genre-based content-led digital advertising, you could absolutely see that user journey starting to evolve where, mm. you know, the the whole marketing mix was working very, very effectively at that point. Could you give us time. an example on that, a fleshed out example of that in specific? So a good example is when we moved from individual pieces of content, individual podcasts to a pillar-based strategy. So for example, we implemented a crime campaign And we did a lot of work to understand crime audiences and the need that audio was fulfilling for those crime-based advocates. So essentially with crime, they just want more crime. So it's all about binge-worthy crime. 
with other audiences, such as those that are looking to just be entertained, those that are leaning into comedy audiences, then we developed a campaign that was all about for laughs. And we could start to see that consumer journey when they're impacted by the comedy campaign, for example. We could see that journey literally going from the comedy advertising right through to the consumption of comedy in the app. Mm. And we just Mm. improved the consumer journey over time, again, leveraging our capabilities from a tech point of view and starting to implement as many touch points as we possibly possibly could through that user journey that was themed based on the content that they had reacted to or the advertising they had reacted to. So whether that's, as I said, a crime campaign, a comedy campaign, we implemented a parenting campaign, understanding that parents need to keep their kids busy. So launching a campaign around audio entertainment kids love and a whole Mm. series of activity targeted to parents to keep their kids entertained. And there's lots of examples of that. It is. And and, um, so you've proven the funnels isn't dead. It works. That's kind of probably the first up because there's sometimes a little bit of debate around that one. It certainly worked for you. Out of that sort of funnel strategy, any surprises, observations on the channels that over-delivered or surprised you on what it, what it did for your campaign and objectives? The more targeted the digital advertising was able to be, the more effective it was. So we were able to, again, as we were testing and learning and iterating with the implementation of the Salesforce MarTech stack, we had capabilities come on board and come into our marketing mix. One of those was to suppress anyone who had already downloaded the app. It sounds really, really simple, but all of a sudden we could stop talking to people with our crime advertising or our kids advertising or our sports campaign who had already downloaded the listener app. And that got that digital ecosystem working incredibly efficiency, mm. incredibly efficient. And we started to see just monumental gains around how we're able to grow audiences just through employing those small Your ROI numbers were looking better because you were minimising wastage. You had not not talking to people that you'd already spoken, all those things. Um, And and can you quantify that? Did you, like, what were the, what was the margin, uh, the quantum of improvement there, 50, 60% once you started to get um, more personalised and and targeted? Certainly our efficiencies were, I would call them significant, so they were upwards of 30% more efficient. right. I'm really interested in what happens next, Nikki. You talk about the need for patience. (laughs) I get that. And it's only now that the the tech stack that you've got is at a point where you can start unpacking the data that's centralised in your CDP and and all of that. What are the opportunities now that you're sort of moving into a more sophisticated way of looking at your data and analytics? So what are the opportunities that throw up as a result of that? Where where are you going? The biggest opportunity is to increase the consumption of digital audio on the listener app. So by that, deliver a personalised, relevant, exciting digital audio option for those known audiences particularly. So that's more recommendations then, is it about content they might like? Is that what that includes? Correct. So looking at the data, understanding the behaviour, understanding the type of content that our known audiences are consuming and giving them more of that and encouraging discovery of content through the app. And where are you at with that capability now? Are you starting, have you started starting out early in the process and and what are the early sort of, I guess, learnings, observations? We're really early in the process. So you mentioned patience before. (laughs) So 
Um, we're 18 months down that journey and the best is yet to come on that front. It does get pretty exciting though once you start to, once you start to get the the basics right, right? You start to see, you know, that the imagination and and the ideas start flowing once you see the data. Ironically, you talked earlier on about data led. Data can be really boring, but it can throw out some really interesting stuff if you know how to know what to do with it, right? Yeah, look, it, it's um, been absolutely fascinating. It's been invigorating, and the best thing is that we we have worked together as a cross functional team. Everybody's leaning in and we're seeing some great early results as I mentioned before even just basics such as minimizing wastage Mm. in our advertising has developed and delivered significant ROI back to the company and and we're proud of that and um, that's not just a marketing win that's a marketing that's a win for everybody across the entire business as we start to you know unlock those capabilities and um, take listener to the next level. And so what are the early benchmarks for you then in terms of time spent on the platform or frequency coming in? Um, where are, What are your key core KPIs that are go, you're going to benchmark on in the growth area? So is it more content consumption, more different content consumption, more genres, or you don't care about that, it's frequency and time spent? What are the core ones? It's all of those things. So obviously we're a commercial media company and we need reach and we need frequency. And we need data and analytics to provide meaningful advertising solutions for our clients. So all those things, Paul, are valuable to us. And who drives it, Nikki? Is it, this is, again, you talk a lot about cross-functional, but where does marketing sit with content versus operations, I guess, and, and the tech side in developing those projects and initiatives that build more frequency and more time? Who drives it? I mean, this is going to sound cliched, but we we are driving it together. Right. Obviously, the the marketing strategy and the growth strategy across the business. So we've got a distribution team as well who are are focused on distributing our content digitally. We've got an insights division. We've got technology and product. We've got data. We've got marketing. And really none of those things can be successful without all of us working together. And of course, we've got, particularly from a podcast point of view, we've got over 600 podcasts. So everything we need, when we do, is reflective of the core genres within the within the app as well. So it's, um, as I said, it's an audience in focus, and it's bringing the audiences in to consume as much of that depth and breadth of content as possible. Well, I reckon in in twelve months' time, you're going to be wearing a cap with a propeller. That's my prediction. <laughs> hey, listen, um, we'll wind this up with some final key takeouts. Um, and watch outs for your peers, for companies that are sort of looking to do these big technology platform plays, Nikki. What would be your sort of your key words of wisdom for those either trying to do it and make it successful or thinking about doing something? What are the core bits that core bits of learning for you and the company SEO? The core learnings would be definitely the cross-functional approach. As I've said, it's that's a bit of a theme, isn't it? I firmly believe that. And we all believe that we're better together and listener is proof of that. So I would firmly recommend opening up the learning, being open to new ideas from wherever in the business. With everyone from the get-go. Yeah, from the get-go, exactly. Mm. And also having a very clear strategy with very clear KPIs, which is what aligned us as a team. Really, really fascinating play. And, you know, as I mentioned at the top, media is so competitive that mm. if you can if you can make something work both for consumers and 
versus competitors. It's a good benchmark for every other sector. Thanks for joining Nikki Clarkson and um, get back to work. Thank you. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.